Amen. So today I want to talk about Jesus, our humble king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to be in your presence. I pray, Lord, that we will all learn from you, Jesus. You're the prototype. You're the template. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will bring uh, this sermon into the forefront of our hearts and minds that we can live it out. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you'll hide me behind the cross. Speak through me as you've spoken to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's read some two scriptures to jumpstart this service. Amen. The first scripture we can find is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 to 30. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Oh, that's such a beautiful scripture. And let's turn to Philippians chapter two, verse five through nine. It says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. That's a sermon right there. We can log off, <laughs> get ready to watch football. <laughs> you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of honor and gave him the name above all names. He humbled himself in obedience. Brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you what you already know. Jesus' family were made up of humble people. The book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 46 to 48. Mary responded to Gabriel, Oh, my soul praises the Lord. Oh, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his, of his lonely servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She was humble. She was a servant girl. She was young. Right? Jesus came from a humble family. And you may be you may be watching this and say, Oh, I don't have a great calling in my life. My family's crazy. My family's this. My family. Jesus had a crazy family, just like you and I. Right? It is in his bloodline. There was a, a woman named T Tamar. And she was uh she let me tell you, she did crazy things, right? It was like incest and disguise and espionage. And this is people in Jesus' family, right? There was Leah, Jacob's first wife. And she was kind of unloved, and 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 they said she had maybe cross-eyed or couldn't see well. And Jacob didn't really love her; he loved Rachel, and she was she was going through all these marital problems and and self-esteem issues. But then she's also in the bloodline of Jesus. There was Rahab, who was a prostitute in Jericho, who, who helped out the Is, uh, Israelite spies. There was Ruth, a, a Moabite woman, right? There was Noah, 
right? Though he, he built the ark and all this stuff, and then he got drunk and was naked and he had mental health issues, they said. There was Abraham, right, who sometimes lacked trust and said his wife was his sister. Jesus came from a crazy family. So if you come from a crazy family, I want to let you know that the calling of God is still on your life. I want to let you know that greatness can, can start, start coming. If you felt greatness didn't come to you, then it comes through you. Jesus had a humble family. I want to remind you, he, he lived hum humbly in economics, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, poverty he could make you rich. And this is spiritual implications. But you can also see the poverty in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Then it was time for the purification offer, offering as required by the law of Moses after the child, of, the birth of a child. So Jesus' parents, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord said, if, if uh, a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice, or they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And theologians say that this option they took was an option for people who were poor. So Jesus was born in poverty. Jesus was born in a humble place. He was a refugee and he was from the hood. <laughs> so you say, but Pastor Ed, I grew up in Red Hook. Pastor Ed, I grew up in the PJs. Pastor Ed, I grew up in here. I went to school in Costa Rica. I did this and, you know, listen, God can still do great things through you. And you know this. I'm just telling you, but I'm just re-putting it back in your spirit. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid them in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So we know that this was the time of census. So Joseph brought Mary to a house, right? And they said it was the end, but some theologians say it was Joseph's extended family's house. And though Mary was screaming in pain and labor, they didn't let her in because they thought she cheated on him, right? So he was born, Jesus was born with the animals on the side of the house. And the people, the aunties, the cousins, the uncles, the maybe even grandparents were in the house. There was a distance. You know, you may have been born in a circumstance where your family never accepted you. You may have felt like you were the black sheep, black sheep of the family. You may have felt like, man, whatever the circumstances, I want to let you know that Jesus understands brothers and sisters. That scene in the manger was powerful. All right. Matthew chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. That that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And, and that's a whole sermon, his, the child and Mary, his mother, right? And they stayed, there, they stayed there until Herod's death. This would fulfill what the Lord has spoken. It was a prophecy. So the Magi, these, these beautiful, prosperous, cosmopolitan, Men and probably some women came from the east, Persian, with camels and 
entourage and bodyguards and gold and frankincense, frankincense and myrrh. And they were bloodline related to the astrologers that Daniel was supervising in the Old Testament. And Daniel gave them a prophecy of when the Messiah was coming. And these people were paying more attention than the Jews, right? And so they came and they gave Jesus, they presented all these gifts to Jesus and they probably used those gifts to travel to Egypt. All the synchronistic things. All right, John chapter one, verse 45 through 46. Philip went to Nathaniel and told him, you have found the very person Moses and the prophet wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nazareth? No, he said, we have found the Messiah. Verse 46, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip the evangelist said. Right? So we see he was born outside amidst some family drama. We see he was a refugee in Egypt. And we see that he grew up in Nazareth, which was a bad neighborhood. So brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that in the midst of your sad story, God can bring greatness through your story. And I want to encourage you, regardless of your humble, 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 uh, circumstance, God could do great things through you. He had a humble job, right? Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and jo Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters with us? And then when they said carpenter, is the word tecton, which denotes carpenter, and some commentaries say there was uh, a tecton was also day laborers, right? They, they would just stand around and like, do you need anything done for, for hire? So Jesus had a humble job. So you may be serving the Lord and you have a humble job. You'll be working at a restaurant. You may be making not a lot of money. You may be like overworked and underpaid like most of America. But I want to remind you, so was Jesus. Your job doesn't define you. I want to encourage you. Regardless of, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And eventually, who, who you do it for, right? Jesus had humble ministry partners. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Um, Mark 16, 9. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman who he had cast out seven demons, right? So he had humble ministry partners, right? The disciples. They were all fancy pantsy. Mary Magdalene, right? His number one ministry partners had demons. And you know, when they say she had seven demons, she might have a bad reputation in her neighborhood, right? In Magdalene, her area, right? Like, oh, that's our lady, stay away from her across the street. And you know what's crazy? That he had humble ministry partners. He didn't chose the top people in the, in the yeshivas, he didn't chose Gamaliel. He didn't chose, chose Saul to later. But the main thing is the woman. The first woman who acted evangelistically was the woman at the well. She was a woman, multiple husbands, bad reputation. More than likely, she was beautiful, stunning, intimidating, strong-willed. That's why she went to the well by herself, not with the other women. Like The woman used to go in community. But she's the one that told everybody about Jesus. 
And in the apostolic sense, the first apostle was a woman, Mary Magdalene. When she went to the apostles, I have seen the Lord. She was sent to give a messenger, a message to the messengers. Oh, let's give a shout out to the woman in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus had humble, 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 humble partners. You and I are now his partners in the kingdom of God. Jesus asked us to tap into power through humility. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, 6, and 17, give your gifts in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. He said, keep it, keep it. <laughs> verse 6, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Get in your prayer closet. When you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And don't let nobody know, right? And so Jesus says, if you want to tap into the power, do it quietly and through humility. He's our humble king. So in conclusion, let us reflect on the incredible truth that God of the universe chose a humble path to redeem and reconcile us to himself. Many of us live humble lives. But the world's distraction could blind us to the privilege and power of trusting and living for God in these moments. Don't let the world's scorecard of success infect you. Stay faithful, have faith, stay focused, stay fruitful, and God will raise you up, beloved. And if God wants you to live in humble circumstances for the rest of your natural life, it's all right, because a crown awaits you. Streets of gold await you. The glory awaits you. Jesus said, in my father's house, there's many mansions, right? Many mansions with Angelica's and Natalie's name on it. Many mansions with Norman's name on it. So don't worry about it. If you, don't worry about it. What, what's that little boy? In, in the internet? Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it, sweetheart, <laughs> right? Don't worry about it. If guys, if you if you're living in a housing projects, if you live in a small apartment, hey, I'm all in for progression. I'm not into prosperity. I'm into progression, right? And God could elevate you. Get it? Yeah, I'm all, I'm the stewardship guy. I'm the progress guy. I'm the networking guy. I'm the like work optimization, Pareto, Parkinson principle. But I do understand that some of us, God has called us to live humbly and to take His yoke and to live with contentment without complacency. To live with the joy of the Lord. Don't let the world infect you with dissatisfaction. There's so many people in the world who are just dissatisfied. They, they go to Aruba, but now they want to go to Bali. They go here, now they want to go there. They're always dissatisfied because you can't fill what was the whole parking spot made for God with just travel, with just clothes. Brothers and sisters, there's a spot in our heart reserved for the Lord. And so I just want to commend you. I want to commend you. Many of you guys, you've been faithful for years. Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay faithful. Stay focused. Because Jesus, our humble king, will see us through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for the Holy Spirit, its empowerment, empowering presence, that we may continue to live out these lessons of humility, faith, and faithfulness in our life. Let us draw closer to you. Keep us focused on you and not swayed by the world. Strengthen and guide us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen and amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Let me stop the recording.